Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow That's what we're here for, and that's what we're here to find out about, more about the world we live in, and what kind of a difference can we make. Um, This is an exciting half hour, and this particular one is going to be especially exciting because we have our really good friend, Robbie Goldman, uh, as our guest today from uh, Dry Bones, Denver, Uh, This uh, incredible ministry that's been going on for uh, just over 20 years now in Denver, ministering primarily to kids on the street, runaways, uh, drug addicts, what have you. And uh, God's been just opening up uh, incredible opportunities. And uh, this thing is still going. We're going to talk about it. We're going to review a little bit about what's been going on and uh and then we're gonna we're gonna delve a little bit more deeply into uh relationships with uh with younger people and especially millennials and gen z's which are the people we're really interested here uh, in reaching in the catch so without further ado please uh welcome our good friend and guest robbie goldman from Dry Bones, Denver. Welcome back, Robbie. Oh, John, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you and uh, hear your voice and uh, and uh, be inspired by you as I have been for many, many years. It's a it's a pleasure of mine to to speak with you. Yeah, this is great. Well, that that's very mutual, and uh, you you get me charged up too. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know. How many years now? I guess a little over 20 years. Uh, Dry Bones Denver, tell us. Yeah, since 2001 is when we kind of uh, emerged here on the streets of Denver after a really good friend of ours uh, had come up here on vacation in uh, in the year 2000 and saw these young teens and 20s hanging out on the streets and just felt that the call of God was too strong on he and his family, he recruited a bunch of, a few of us to come up here with him. In 2001, we uh, kind of all embarked here, and uh, my family and I wow. moved up here full-time just right after they moved here, and yeah, we've been going uh, ever since. So some of our friends are now in their 40s, which is kind of crazy. We don't, we don't age wow. anybody out. We just, we just love and friendship lasts <laughs> eternal. So we we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, but we just keep yeah. uh, keep loving people, you know. Oh, that's great. Well, Robbie, how how would you characterize the ministry now? I mean, I imagine it's changed somewhat over over those years. What is uh What does it look like now? Well, you know, the, it definitely it, it it has changed. You know, it has changed in uh, a lot of ways. In some ways that we've 
we can put our finger on and say this this is a definite change you know like um we've seen things you can say that the opioid epidemic yes that has hmm. changed the, the the how and the what of how we do ministry that has been something you could put your finger on uh um, wow. and how that's how that's come across you know over the years that's that's one thing uh-huh. um, what some of the things that have changed uh is the the, the for the good is we don't see as many young teenagers anymore there's there's been a big you know a lot of work done around that with our state and our city uh helping those you know those 11 12 and 13 year olds to not be on the street so that's a good change i believe you know okay. mm-hmm. um, and then but then there's the the change that, that these kids were um that there's there's still there's still the change of um, well, I would say the it's kind of hard, but the 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 fact that uh, broken families is is still maybe yeah. that's not a change. It's still just feeding this mm-hmm. epidemic. We're still seeing you know second and third generation of kids that are from broken homes that are just uh, still on our streets, you know, with no support, and that's wow. that's hard. That's still hard, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, trying to make, trying to trying to help folks get off. I will tell you, centrally in Denver, one of the biggest changes is uh, a few years back, one of our only Medicaid-approved inpatient addiction recovery centers in Denver closed their doors, hmm. and that means there's zero Medicaid. Medicaid does not pay for inpatient recovery services. And so mm. someone on the streets is only offered uh, outpatient services, and that's just so unattainable when you have no home base to work from. So that's, that's been a dramatic change in the recovery wow. um, needs of our friends, you know, in the 20s and 30s that have no, no support. So that, that's been a huge change for us dealing with uh, that. And I will tell you the greatest challenge is the, the feeling of uh, – Security and safety after dealing with two years of a pandemic. That's just, yeah. you know, the the normal bandwidth of what we can handle has been, you know, diminished to where so many people are in a fight and uh, young people are in a fight, flight, freeze mode. Yeah. It's, just, it's just a reality. Yeah. And so that's, that's difficult in any ministry, I think. Well, gosh, Rob, you know, thinking about that, how did you make it through those two years? Were you able to continue... <clears throat> to uh, provide services for people? Yeah. At some points, you know, I, I was, um, I've got some health issues, so I was, you know, very cautious. But, yeah, we we kind of just shifted around, and we shifted to a more of a uh, kind of a distance, a little bit, little bit of distance. I can tell mm-hmm. you one of the greatest things, a lot of our friends have access to some telephones with Wi-Fi calling. And yeah. I spent many, many hours on the phone talking to kids in lots of situations. In a lot of ways, we were able to connect more, you know, mm. in that sense. And then we just did a – we found out where a lot of our friends were staying, and we were doing, you know, 60 to 85 meals two or three times a week, just delivering them to the camps where our, our friends were staying. Uh, wow. For a while, the city wasn't doing any sweeping of moving people around, so – you know, we were just trying to figure out ways to connect, and yeah. then we have slowly been able to open back up, and 
and get things rolling again. And, and it's so, but yeah, we, we connected, we kept our job training place working and going and it was, it was scary, but we, we just, you know, we're like, we can't, we can't let this help have us abandon the yeah. kids and their, in these hour of need. So yeah, yeah. We, we made it, you know, God's, God's provision and the faithfulness of God was evident every minute of every day. Uh, wow. through that, you know, through the sicknesses, we lost some friends. We, yeah, it was I'm difficult, but that. God's, yeah, but God's, God's faithfulness was everywhere, John. It was, it's very visible. Yeah. So you visible. did lose, you did some, lose some to the, uh, to the pandemic. You would. Think? Yeah, there was some, yeah, we definitely had kids that were passed away, you know, huh. they were compromised with other things. And then, right. you uh-huh. know, the, the doctors would say, well, if they would have, they would have been able to pull through this had they not had COVID, you know? And so they're like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. So there were yeah. several, there were several kids that, that we've had off with that. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. It was just really tough. It always is, but that was, you know, extra, extra tough. Cause we yeah. couldn't visit. We couldn't, you know, you couldn't go to the hospital to see them or any of those things. So. Right. Right. That was what very hard. Time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, so things are, Things are loosening up now, though. You're getting yeah, yeah. We're getting back to being able to be have our friends at gatherings. We were meeting. We had lunch today. We fed. Let's see. I I cooked. I cooked the meal today, and we had twenty twenty five young young folks and some a little bit older folks that kind of snuck in, but that's okay. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was it was wonderful. We, We had a good lunch and. Yeah, so we're starting to hang out and do more and looking forward to the summer when we can do a lot outside and have picnics yeah. and host host things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know the other thing that 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 you guys do that that so much fascinates me and and that that is the program during the summer where you'll bring kids from youth groups and uh, probably mid to upper middle class churches in mm-hmm. Texas and other areas around there. You bring them in for a whole week. You take them in maybe two weeks. I'm not sure what it is, but That's I know a week. you one week. Just a week. And you take them up to the yeah. high country and give them the experience up there. And then you take them to the low country, which is basically yeah. right down there to the streets where they Absolutely. can touch poverty and touch the kids who are, hurting there. Uh, what an experience. And is that still going? It is. You know, we, we took one summer off, uh, the summer of 2020. Uh-huh. We took it off completely. And then last yeah. summer we brought it back and worked through that. And then this year we have it again, fully booked. Yeah. We call it elevations and it's a, it mm-hmm. is exactly you said, it's a description of bringing these kids in. Um, we, we want to just, we call it a vision trip. Our, our hope is, um, I think it's I think it kind of models off of what what Jesus did with the the women and men that followed him is he installed a vision that really didn't tell them a lot of what yeah, go do this this is exactly what you do they they kind of worked that out on their own I think as they moved through and you see a lot of you see a lot of back and forth on how they worked it out in the in some of the epistles there and through the gospel but it's a gave a vision of what what you can do when you go home. And so we spend a lot of time in the mountains and in the city 
but we really want them to consider it more of a laboratory for when they go home. How do they take this home? And the, mm-hmm. this is how do you love people, uh, and how do you how do you ask the questions? How do you even form the questions around things? Uh, we have a time of mm-hmm. lament where the kids walk the city. Actually, they start in the wilderness. They they spend a time walking a trail and lament, looking at things they can't control, looking at things that they can't fix. They can't change the river, but they can walk with the river inside the river. And then we come home and we have them walk a day, kind of in the shoes of those on the streets, hmm. asking the questions, you know, and lamenting. And then the next day they 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 figure out and try to find ways to how can they go home. And ask the big questions, you know, when they as they move through life. So we really want them to catch a vision of truly the, you know, seeing what we say is trying to see the world the way God sees the world. Wow. What does it look like? You know, that, yeah. and that, those are the big questions. And we really feel like we have a laboratory here because we really don't have anything for them to do. There's no come here and do this. It's come mm. here and be and just try to catch a vision for for what God has for them, you know, and a lot yeah. of that is just learn how to ask questions. You know, we just feel we 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 found so often we kids come to things and we just tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them, and we don't really help them or teach these young folks how to ask questions. And this generation loves to ask questions, and I, sometimes I think it frustrates older folks, but they yeah. really have a sincerity in their questions uh, and questioning things. I grew up that when you were questioning things, you were complaining. You were being, mm. you know, rebellious. And <laughs> yeah. the, these kids just don't see it that way, John. They, they, I think it's a genuine curiosity. Uh, yeah. But we, I think we need to be there to help them ask those questions and then also give them a vision on, okay, go look here. I can't give you all the answers, but go look here. You know, ah, so that, that's, that's a very important part of what uh, the Elevations program is. Yeah. Um you really uh you really caught my ear uh when you were mentioning something you said just a few minutes ago something about walking in the shoes of uh, right. and we we are actually starting a a theme uh that we're going to be mm-hmm. working on for a few weeks um which is going to be called uh through I'm not sure I got it quite right here but through each other's eyes in other words right we, we want we we want to help into uh the shoes of others and, and or, or look at the world through their eyes uh, can you maybe give us just uh one or two pointers of you know that's a that's a difficult thing and and how 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 can we accomplish that what what are what are some of the more important things you've seen? Um, well, I, yeah, that is, and that is something we really, you know, the, the, the main thing I've found is just is really be quiet and huh. listen first. Really listen. And I mean deep listening. Um, one of the projects that we work with is the Compassionate Listening Project, and we do a lot of compassionate listening practice with our volunteers and with our friends and with our staff, learning how to hear and give feedback to what you're hearing, getting clarity, and not trying to fix something. 
You know, mm-hmm. that's a very difficult thing. One of the exercises that I that I use often is I call it's called a story exchange. And it really helps is if you can have two people sit together and each write part of their story, something in their life, something they want to share. Uh, they could even be conflicting views. You know, it could be uh, one of the big topics of, you know, abortion or gun control, any of those big ones. Or it could just be a smaller, less volatile topic, but they may not agree on it. But they both have stories. And so we spend time listening to those stories. But one of the most exciting ones, John, and it's very difficult is to take someone else's story and then read it back to them in the first person. Read it back to them as it's as hmm. I did this. I, like if it was someone that had lived on the streets and the kid was telling me the story about living under the, under the bridge and this traumas, then I read it back to them saying, I lived under the bridge. I read their story huh. back as if I did it. And then likewise, huh. they take my story and read it back to me. And what we found, John, it's like walking in someone's shoes. You also, they wow. hear their words being read back to them and vice versa. And it really, it moves from your head, which I think is what's good. We listen with our heads so often. Taking that approach, really, I say it takes that little 18-inch elevator ride from your head and take it down to your heart. And you learn to listen and move with your heart. Um, I'm a firm believer that God has created us as these beings that can sync up together and and our hearts can actually, if we're close enough residents, can, you know, kind of sync up and move together. And that type of conversation, that type of deep listening, walking in someone's shoes, hearing it through their story, and then hearing your voice say their words huh. makes it real. It, you, your body can't help but own their story. You may still not agree with them. You may still, at the end of the story, think they're crazy or whatever, but uh-huh. your body now owns their story. And it just helps, John, to say it's that walking in their shoes or hearing their voice. But when you hear it with your own words, it's a little risky, which what uh-huh. you're proposing is a little risky yeah. um, for some. So, But I call it, it's called a story exchange where you hear it. someone else's story through your own voice. And that's been a very cool technique. Uh, it really makes both people, both people involved really feel heard uh, yeah. as they do some deep listening to each other. And, um, and it, and it, it takes, it takes, you know, it takes a little risk on both parts, um, mm-hmm. but learning, learning some listening skills, um, and learning how to, um, learning how when something affects you and you hear a word or you hear things, how to be able to pause and say, give me one second, and then say, I, I heard it this way. Is that correct? Uh, instead oh. of just writing it off, but truly listening to someone as you're entering into their thought process. Um, it just will change. It will change your life, you know. Um, this is what my grandparents seem to have a natural knack for. You know, I don't know. The older generation was able to listen and tell stories uh-huh. um, that I think we can relearn that. I think we need to relearn wow. that. Wow. You know, so that, that's kind of what we're doing with these kids is listening listening and telling stories. Um, 
you know, I was feeling bad yesterday and I had uh, one of our street kids text me and say, how are you doing? Are you okay? I'm just checking on you. You take care of yourself. Uh-huh. You know, you know, I know what it feels like to not feel good. And this person's had a lot of medical problems. And I said, yes, I do. And they were walking in my shoes with me, hmm. Hmm. you know, and I go, of all the things yesterday that really hit home. Um, so the vulnerability is not only walk in someone else's shoes, but let them walk in yours. Let them walk in yours. That's wow. right. Yeah. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's I think that's what Paul did, right? When he said, you know, I've been there. <laughs> I've yeah. been beaten, I've been robbed, I've been this. <laughs> Come walk with me, you know? <laughs> yes. And so. and and also he, you know, he also said that he, to the Greek, he would be like a Greek, and to the Jews, he'd yes. be like a Greek. And uh, That's exactly so he right. had to get in their shoes to do that. There's no other way. He did. Well, and he had to understand. I think he understood when it would come to those times. And it's like, here we are. I mean, I think he felt it when, when those people that made those little tokens, those little goddesses, those little you know tokens, their business went away. You know, and and he uh, knew that. I think he felt that. I don't think his intention was to take people's livelihood away. That wouldn't yeah. make sense. I think he felt that. You know, I think he went, oh man, sometimes what we're doing hurt. You know, could cause pain. I, I think Paul. I think he read uh, that. I think that's why we have that. It wasn't as a look. We dismantled it. I think he said that. Why they would be upset. You know, mm-hmm. we came and we 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 disrupted the economy. I, and I don't agree with the economy, but he, the reality that was real. Yeah. And I think that was that's something we can learn doing missionary work or working mm-hmm. with any group. It's like, what is it? You know, how how does this this is real life that we're messing and moving and walking yeah. through? You know, and so. If we if we don't take the time to listen deep and see, then then we're I think we're missing something. I think we're missing, you know, Jesus walking through the crowd and a woman touching him. You know, I think we're missing those moments. Yeah, yeah, wow. Um, Healed, but we still know her story. No, yeah. how did how did we get her story unless someone stopped and talked to her? You know, someone someone said, "What? Well, tell me what was going on. Maybe that was even Jesus that said that. Yeah. I felt the power go out. What Now what's happening? And then she she told him his, her story. That That's walking in her shoes. I mean, I think hmm. I think that's incredible. I think that's that's what we can I think that's what we can learn like through your series of saying, how do I do I dare walk in someone else's shoes and let them walk in mine? Yeah. You know, so that, that's tough. You know, a, a shoe exchange, you might say, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and, you know, we are, you know, here at the catch, we've, we've got, you know, mo- I would say mostly boomers and our next yeah. largest group would be probably millennials. And there's right. a, there's a gap in there, but but we're excited about that from the standpoint mm-hmm. that we want our boomers to become to open up relationships with millennials, not necessarily even 
ours online, that might be too difficult, even just just in their neighborhood or in their families or, you know, friends, uh, communities, churches, you know, reaching out. Um, maybe Maybe you could, well, this, of course, has been a, this whole idea of story exchange is fantastic. I love that. Is there uh, are there any any other things you could maybe help us in terms of uh, you know speaking to the older older ones now how right. how they how they can begin to to reach out to uh, to millennials and and Gen Z folks um, right I tell you that that is that is something that we of course deal with and it you know the other part of being here twenty years is. I'm 20 years older now, you know, <laughs> so right. I was, whoa, that's right. crazy. So how yeah. do I reach out? How do we reach out to younger folks? I still think the greatest thing to do is, is still is show up. Um, wow. And there's not an expectation. Without expectation, other than learning and living and being, there's ways to show up in our world. Um, the one thing I've learned about Gen Z and, and, and even millennials is there's a, there's a resurgence of healthy. Helping has been something that we have found. It's not just you have to come with a great need and they want to help, but just the ability to show up and say, um, can you, you know, the empowering part, how do, how, do you let, how do you let someone help you? How do you let someone uh, be the expert? It's not hard in this world. A lot of these younger folks are the experts in our world. And it's, huh. it's something that's really difficult. When you get to technology and things like that, these younger folks know this stuff. It is what they do. It's how they move. And then we found that it's just not, it's not assumed. It's assumed by a lot of folks that older boomers have no interest in it or no abilities in it. Uh-huh. But the, the, the flip side is these young folks also like to be able to communicate through it and about it. And so showing up and being available uh, even just the fact that you guys are the catches online and how many, that's yeah. attractive in itself that, that people huh? don't even realize is there. Uh, so I think just finding a way to be present um, and just for the sake of being present with no agenda is something that's there. Our world, of course, is so full right now of, um, I don't know, angst and, and, and feelings of of division and things. The fact that you, someone older, just shows up in the presence of folks that are younger, is uh-huh. is an anomaly enough in itself. That's that's interesting enough yeah. to catch the okay. eye. Do you I think, think that's you, the thing? Being present. Okay, being present. Do you think there? Um, some of the older people might might feel like, oh well, um, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna welcome me. I'm just gonna be some old fogey or something like that. Uh, is that is that true, or are, are millennials open to older people, do you think? I, I think there's a pretty good openness to it. I think there's a little bit of fear with the millennials because of things like the just the hard line of religion and things like that that they really kind of identify as an older person's thing. If I don't okay. fall in line, then I'm not going to be accepted. But I think that's a myth. I don't think, I don't, I don't think that's a true story. I think that's an easily squelched myth by someone that says, no, I, I don't do that. I don't have this hard line. That is something that's been preached, but I don't think it's true. I think there's a, a, a large craving for extended family. I think that whole presence is still there. And the idea of belonging is more than just, 
an idea. It's a reality. And I think if an older generation can help a younger generation really feel like they belong by in, in, in just in embodying belonging, no matter what, it's not overlooking horrendous things. I'm just saying helping young people know that they belong just as they are. They don't have to prove anything to you. There's no performance needed. It's just be that this older generation can be so helpful to that in a, such a highly competitive, highly volatile change uh, job every three years. I mean, millennials, they change jobs every three to five years. Can you wow. imagine what a stable huh. force of someone older who doesn't abandon them, who doesn't leave, who no matter what is just in line with, with who they are? That to me is powerful, John. Um, just just taking the idea that if if how many of older folks just told someone younger, hey, you know what, you belong, you matter, you belong. Who you are is is important, and you're loved. If you if you showed that, I I really believe that the older the older generation has that ability to tell these younger folks that they belong. They don't have to prove themselves. Um, yeah, so some consistency, it sounds like we're saying. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. That's great. I think that's yeah. key. I think that's just key. I think it's key for our churches as much yeah. as even for our ministry here. I just think it's key. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't have this fatalistic attitude about church and we're dying. And I, don't, I don't believe that. I believe that what we're doing is we're, we're just not showing each other unconditional love and belonging and value and the older generation has the biggest commodity often and that's time they have the time Mm. to do that Mm. you know they have the time to show up and tell and just tell people you belong you know you belong here and i think that's important Um, we were doing a meal and we took i took some of our friends to to a camp that's old motor older homelessness. So I have some of our younger friends with us. And when we left, we just told every one of them, even though the city may sweep you away, we want you to know you belong. You belong. You are loved and you belong. And the tears wow. were just flowing. The tears were flowing on both sides hmm. uh, at hmm. the camp. And these are a camp of, you know, 45 to 65 older folks. And just telling them you belong, you do belong. Wow. It's, it's powerful. It's powerful for all ages. Wow. But I think it's very powerful for our millennials who feel like they have to compete just to be part of the world uh, and look a certain way and act a certain way. To have someone look them in the eye and say, just as you are, you're enough and you belong. That's powerful news. That's good news. Mm-hmm. That's good news. Wow. That's beautiful. Oh, my. It's uh Time goes by so fast. Um, it does. One, one here's something I'd lo- love to for you to think about. Um, okay. You 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 have helped us so many uh, in so many ways. You've helped us with some of our counseling with runaways and other situations that we've run into. We want to. How how can we help you? How how could the catch community? Uh, get on board maybe with one of your projects or maybe giving giving uh, yeah. whatever you know uh, can you how, how can we help you well I can tell you our uh, project that that really took a big hit during 
COVID was our job um, job training program where we call Purple Door Coffee. Uh, Purple Door Coffee, purple for the color of royalty and door for the door of opportunity. It's a coffee roasting, and we're hoping to open up a coffee shop. But this this training program helps us take these young folks off the streets and get them into some solid working skills, but mainly give them some confidence and hope in who they are. And that business has been really was really hit hard during COVID. Uh, it's coming back. We're doing okay. We 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 uh, ship coffee all over the country. So Great. coffee donations. I mean, people can get online at purpledoorcoffee.com and donate there, or sign up for uh, coffee subscriptions, or get information for their churches, and we can ship it to them. And coming up this year, we're super excited. The big Presbyterian church in downtown Denver has been doing some renovations, and they've actually helped in building out a spot for a coffee shop. They really believe in the purpose of what Dry Bones is doing and what our coffee shop can do, and they would like to put a coffee shop, not just the roaster, but a coffee shop in their new place. And so they've asked us, you know, can we do this? And we're like, yes, if we can get the funds to to do this, our goal is to fund it so that we can sell coffee without without having to make a huge profit at the beginning uh, to be able to hire the right, you know, the right management. So we've got some funding to come on that. So that's a big project coming up, but just supporting our, our job training program, John, at purpledoorcoffee.com would be enormous. Uh, And they can read stories about the coffee and our friends there and dry bones as well on, uh, on that uh, website, John, that would be the, that would be our biggest, Cool. Cool. Well, we'll we'll get the, we'll uh, we'll get them into this. Now, so, what is the uh, are the are we talking about a couple of different websites or is it all at Dry Bones or? Where well, we, it's where, not. Yeah, per, they they link together, but Purple Door has their own website. But you can get to Dry Bones website from there. There's a way to click to it. Um, okay. On the wolf, but if they go to purpledoorcoffee.com. Oh, okay. purpledoorcoffee.com. That will get them there, and they can see, and then scroll down, and they can get to the Dry Bones website as well. Cool. Um, it talks about our website. It's, they'll see the Dry Bones logo, and they can click over to see um, all the Dry Bones stories and videos as well from there. Great. So, yeah, great. that would be a great link, great link for them. Okay. Well, gosh, uh, Robbie, this has been such a, a helpful discussion. And uh, thank you. So great. I love talking to you because it's always so practical and, and things yeah. we can actually put into practice. Uh, I, I love that story exchange idea. I can't wait to, yeah. to share that with our folks. So um, awesome. thank you. Thank you so much. Always great to You're have welcome. you on the show. We'll be, we'll continue uh, to pray for your work and just keep it. Thank keep you John, it so much. I okay. appreciate you so much. Thank you, John. You too. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. You bye. Wow. There you go, folks. You're listening to The Cat. All right. John Fisher. Check it out. CircleDoorCoffee.com. And uh, the Dry Bones Denver. Check that out. And uh, listen to this hand. Really fast up here. We're going to be coming up this talking about it. God bless all. Bye bye now.